Our series is called God is Enough, and we start in Isaiah chapter 40. Truth for Today is up next. Join us. realize if we took God's Word at face value, everything pertaining to life and godliness, there'd be no need for Barnes & Noble or Amazon. All of those books that deal with all of those subjects, we could simply do away with. Hi and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. God is enough. That's the title of our series that we begin today and we do so in Isaiah chapter 40 verses 30 and 31. Even youth will faint. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast now of Truth For Today. We'll be looking at Isaiah 40, but um, I'm going to start a three-part series here. Since it's back to school, uh, I'm going to deal today, uh, I'm going to aim at young people quite a bit. There's something here for sure for you adults, because the issue is this, are your kids going to go to heaven? And uh, I, a little book a pastor when I was in Oregon gave me, The Great Evangelical Recession, and uh, by John Dickerson. And he tells of six trends uh, that are killing the evangelical church. Two was primarily the loss of young people going on all over the country. And that in the next 20 years, they suspect 75% of all giving to churches will cease. Because the most generous generation of believers with the church are dying. Most of them are over 60. And those behind them are tippers or don't know anything about giving. 1%. Starbucks gets more of their money than God. And so all the old money is going away. And the young crop isn't supporting. So they're saying, pay off your buildings, lay off your staff, and work with volunteers because you can't stand it economically. This is what they say about youth. And when they talk about youth, they're talking about 19 uh, to 29 this has been out there a long time, but you, you look at our, uh, from preschool, uh, we have children's ministry, uh, then you've got junior high pastor, you've got senior high, and the big chasm we always have is after 18, we have nothing right now, but we've got some concerned brothers that are meeting, and uh, the Galvins have been, oh, don't worry, there's a stir. We're, we're not going to let that stay. We're going to do something about it. It cannot stay as a canyon where our 19-year-olds wonder, well, do I belong in the church anymore? Oh, do you belong? You, you don't belong to be spoon-fed. You belong to help us. We're going to give you ministry. We're going to show you how ministry is done so you have a reward also. But listen to what he says. This is right out of the book. How many 18 to 29-year-olds leave evangelical churches? 19 to 20. These are supposedly Bible-believing churches. Of the 3.7 million United States evangelicals who are 18 to 29 years old, 2.6 million will leave the faith 
at some point between their 18th and 29th birthday. That's 260000 a year. That means uh, you parents, with your kids singing there today, the majority of them are going to drop your faith in this church when they turn 19. Go to college, get where they don't drive their own car, and they don't have to go to church. Then they're going to make their choice, and at 19, you're going to find out if they buy this old fogey faith you've been bringing them to. They're going to make their choice. I used to say, if my girls still wanted to go to church after they were 18, I might be suspicious that they were born again. Because a pastor's kid doesn't get much choice about going to church. It's torture if you don't know God. And did you know your kid's going to consider it torture? Because we raise unsaved kids, right? And here's what we can do. If we had a better youth group, if they had better parents, and even with the best youth group and the best parents, they may still not want it. And so next week, I'm going to look at what does a godly father look like? And the third week, what does a godly mother look like? This is going to be family month. Because we need to form a partnership between you and us to reach your kid before it's eternally too late. Listen to what it says here. Uh, 260,000 leave the church each year. That's 712 a day, 365 days a year. Uh, it's interesting. My girls growing up in this church. Let's see. Edie is still here. Uh, I think she's saved. <laughs> We're praying about it. Uh, Rebecca, Deborah, and from our youth department, is there any other in our church? Larry, well, you know. <laughs> Four. Uh, there's John back there, John Lee. Anybody else? Uh, Nick and Bobby. Who are, any, who are any young people here that grow? Andrea, raise your hand if you're past 29 and you're still in this church and you grew up. Good. Stand up, stand up. There's at least 10. Go. Come on. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? We had a lot more in youth group than the 10. Where are the rest? Where are they? Well, we didn't have a good third grade teacher. Well, the youth group wasn't cooking. No, 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 no. Listen to this. Um, as they've done the study, then I must get into the message, and I'm going to talk that even young people will faint. Even they will give up. Of the 2.6 million who leave, about 900,000 will eventually return later in life. But 1.7 million will never come back. And then it talks about the God of co contemporary Christendom. Uh, and a fellow by the name of Christian Smith wrote a book called Soul Searching, in which he said the common creed, the common belief among evangelical teens is moralistic, therapeutic deism, which he defines as a self-centered Worldview in which personal happiness is the highest goal and a distant God is taken for granted in the background. 
The mainstream of American Christianity for young people is that God uh, is there to make me happy and that most people will be saved if they just live a good life. So they don't hold a biblical view at all of what the Bible says. So all of you folks uh, 50 and older that's giving you money, brought them to church and believe the Bible, and we want a Bible teaching church, amen, hallelujah. Well, good, you'll go to your grave with that, and you're on the right side. But don't be, don't be believing your kids or your grandkids have that view. The culture is winning. And unless uh, God intervenes, we're in a moral, spiritual decline in this country like nothing you can describe. It's a miracle that I get to preach the Bible around here without being thrown out because there's Bible lovers out there. I don't know if young people would vote me in. So you gray heads, stay alive. <laughs> because we may not hold the same view. You believe in hell, don't you, Pastor? Well, I believe the Bible. Jesus talked about hell. If he believes it, I believe it. You believe in morals, don't you? Man, don't you know that went out with condoms? Well, I'm, I, the Bible said you ought to save sex for marriage. And some of you would be good if you discover sex since you are married. You know, I'm all for sex. Just get married. A guy asked me the other day, he said, uh, what age did you get married? I said, I got married young, but I decided to be broke and be pure. We were broke, but we can have sex without sin. It was worth the poverty. <laughs> so don't tell me I don't believe in sex. I even have children, and I didn't get them by kissing. What does this do? Man, if I talk on sex, you'll be here every week. I really want to talk about what Isaiah said to a nation and applied even to our young people. Look at Isaiah, if you would, verse 30 and 31. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me describe to you what's going on. Israel has suffered much. The Syrians finally took the northern kingdoms into captivity. Judah evaded the invasion of Assyria under Sennacherib, and God delivered Hezekiah and Judah. Later on, Babylon sweeps in, and God tells them in Isaiah 40, comfort my people, they paid double for all their sins. Other words, they've been punished to the full. They've been punished to the full. But their big problem is they were always discovering other gods they would rather serve than the God that let them suffer. That the God that seemed to abandon them, God did not abandon them. He just simply said, you want other gods? See if they can deliver you. You want other gods? Go ahead. Isn't it scary God will give you what you want? 
I just got to have it. You know what God does sometimes? He lets you have it. And once you get it, you say, I don't need it. A little too late, you're addicted. You now got the disease, you've got the habit, and you might be killed before you ever come back. God will give you what you want. God's judgment for sin is more sin. You like sin, he's going to let you do all you want. Just go on. Matter of fact, he'll let you go to hell if you want. That sounds weird, isn't it? You don't want him? Well, why doesn't he sovereignly intervene? Come on, you, you human responsibility, you free will people. Come on. He'll let you have your choice. He will. And he starts to tell Israel, I'm the true and God, wonderful God, and you should have relied on me. And I want us to look at the chapter and apply it to young people and us adults likewise. Three things I want to ask. Uh, is God, this God of the Bible, big enough for you? Is he big, or need we look for a bigger God? Now, the God of Isaiah seems to be big enough. I don't know what your God looks like. Because we all create an image of God. It was A.W. Tozer who said in the knowledge of the holy, what a man thinks of when he thinks of God is the most important thing about you. And if I ask you to define God on a three-by-five card, what would you define him? That's the most important thing about you, according to Tozer. I had that assignment in seminary. Our theology prof said, by next week, I want a three-by-five card definition of who is God. I'm telling you, we wrestle, all of us guys, and we're all at most gone through college. We're doing master's level work. Give me a definition that cannot be compared to anybody else. What's your definition of God? J.B. Phillips wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. And most of us, our God's too small. He's the God we've created between our ears. He's not the God of the Bible. Now listen to what he says in Isaiah 40. In verse 9, he said, Behold your God, Israel. Go up, tell them, listen. I want you to tell the cities of Judah about how great their God is. Tell them how powerful I am. Who, what do you compare my power to? Uh, let's just see if you can get a God this size anywhere else. I'll just take one reference outside of Isaiah. Take Psalms 139. What other God has been with you ever since your mother got pregnant with you and that was inside the uterus and the womb was there that determined your pigmentation, your brain capacity, your, the color of your hair, your ethnicity. He was in there weaving you intricately, preserving you. Uh, if your mother had a fall, whatever, God let that embryonic sac keep you, protect you. Did you, what other God starts with you when you're but a one cell being? Our God. And he said, this God, there's no place you'll ever go from conception on that he won't be there. So he's the ever-present God from the womb on for every human being. That's why we say, 
don't probe and mess with that little cell, even if it's not outside the womb, because God's present right there. God even caused the conception. Be frank, you can have a lot of sex without a pregnancy. Ask the barren woman. God gives conception. God's the overseer of life. It's not light. Now, he starts telling them, look at the things God can do that none of these idols you've been serving can do. Look at verse 12. You got your Bible? Look at it. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, could you imagine asking God how many gallons are in the Pacific Ocean? God could tell you. And where's your scales? Is that good enough? So many gallons, so much weight. You got a God that big? This God's that big. And he marked off the heavens with a span, span of his hand. Whoop. Wait, 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 wait. The Milky Way, it doesn't exceed the span of his hand. Did you know we've got galaxies out there that we've never discovered yet? We thought, you know, uh, our own uh, uh, galaxies were great and uh, all that. And then when Hubble comes along, we're discovering galaxy after galaxy. So wait, wait, we can't keep up. And God says, by the way, I look down on all the galaxies because I'm bigger than the galaxies. I'm the creator, and I can stand above. God stops somewhere out there. God doesn't just go on forever. He's not a big, giant jellyfish that just keeps going on. No, he's got limits. But his limits is he's bigger than everything he created. Uh, he says here, he marked off the heavens. He enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in a scale. Oh, you've got to be kidding. No, I'm not. And the hills in the balance. God knows what the Sierra Range weighs. God knows what the Rocky Mountains weigh. That's pretty good power to weigh mountains, measure oceans. And he, he talks about, can your God do that? And uh, uh, they ask you, what man could ever counsel God? He goes on to say, uh, look at the nations. Look, you're impressed with nations, Israel. You're impressed with Assyria and Egypt. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. Russia, drop. Iraq, drop. America, drop. 260 million people, a drop. India, a drop. We're looking at something we haven't been handling lately. And you want another God? Anything after this God is going to be smaller. And are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon, ah, with all of her trees, I'll use her for fuel. 17, the nations are like nothing before him. They are counted as less. Then he asked the question, to whom will you liken me? Who do you want to compare me to? Now look, he says about their gods, he said, you've made gods. He said, their eyes are plastered over. You can't even, they can't even see. 
He said, you go cut down a piece of wood. The half of it, you build a fire. The other half, you build a God, and you worship that God. You kneel. It can't see. It can't talk. It can't hear. And you've chosen it over me. Now, let me tell you, young people, this 19 to 29 crowd and our younger ones, pornography for boys begins at age 13. The most addicted are 13 to 17. That's where they get hooked. They've got to see a naked woman every day to make it. And the pitiful remarks, as I just read Christianity Today, is about 70% of all adult men see pornography weekly and 25% of pastors. Christianity Today this month. We're hooked. And pornography is an idol. You're worshiping the image of someone you don't know. You're pretending you've got a relationship with someone that is nothing but ink on paper. But you've imagined. See, to be an idolater, you must have an imagination. Idolatry, imagination. I imagine. I look on that thing. Hey, I just, man, I painted it. Uh, You've got ears. Oh, there's your nose. And I look. You can meet all my needs. And, and by the way, here's some rice. And, and, and that would be okay for just rice. But by the way, I brought my son, and I'll put him on a burning fire into your mouth, as they did Molech. They would just lay the child there, and while the flames were burning, the infant would roll into the mouth of the idol. Please, in the drought in California, and I'm trusting you. Does that seem absurd? What about if we put money up here? I'll do anything for money. Uh, Put a woman up here. Put some drugs up here. I I bow. I worship you. I I can't live without you. Is there anything in your life I can't live without? I got to have a little Coke. I got to have a snort. I got to have, I got to have that chick. But she's not a believer. She hates your God. I don't care. She's good in bed. What does she do when she dies? Your God's going to die. Your God's a mere mortal. You're both going to die. But oh man, what a figure. What eyes. What, can, can, can they save you? No. Can they reverse? Can they meet any major needs? They only fill the need of lust. But you made them a God. You're saying you can, can't live without them. Israel? And don't anyone take that money. I'm leaving it there. (laughs) I gave in the offering. Leave my money alone. So he's saying, look at these nations that you've run. Uh, Look at it. He's going to talk about the idol. To whom then will you liken me? To one of your idols? A craftsman, he makes it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold. He puts silver chains on it. He too is impoverished for an offering. He chooses wood that will not rot. You know, when you're going to make a God, you've got to get a wood that won't rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. By the way, that's why there's no images of any gods around here. We don't make them to Mary, and we don't make them to the preacher. We serve the invisible, high, lifted God. He doesn't need images. We are not image worshipers. Because our God is the God of Isaiah, not a wood stone. Taken from our series, God is Enough, you've been listening to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Closing out today's program, we would invite you to... 
take advantage of the series today's message was taken from. It is a three-CD set that we're making available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Simply ask for God is Enough, and we'll get a copy out to you. And today's broadcast is available when you mention today's date. Here's how to get in touch with us. You can call us directly at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. You can also reach us through our website, valleybible.org. Drop us an email when you stop by or take advantage of the store that we have online. And again, you can order securely online and you can donate securely online as well, valleybible.org. And please bear in mind, as you do contact us, we are a listener-supported ministry, which means we're able to continue the ministry here on KFAX as you partner with us financially. Also, as you become a TFT sustainer, we would like to say thank you by making available to you our quarterly newsletter, our once-a-year special gift, and you'll have access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil. It's our weekly video devotional. Again, this is all for our TFT sustainers, those who come alongside of us with a regular donation. Whether it's $5 or $50, there is no gift that is too small or too large. Again, we would love to hear from you. Please get a hold of us today, 855-833-9864, or stop by valleybible.org. Also, make sure when you swing by valleybible.org, You find out more about us, our service times, and our location, and how to get here. It's all found on our website, valleybible.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us again next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.